Good day and welcome to Practice Blueprint, the podcast. Each episode of Practice Blueprint captures our success and shares it with other practitioners. Our success is based on already making big mistakes so you don't have to. See, over the years, we have been fortunate to capture a proven, sustainable, and successful program which will eliminate fear, frustration, and stress while it advances your competency and your confidence so that you can develop a sustainable, profitable, natural health business. This system is built by practitioners for practitioners. It is not theory. It has been proven with over 30,000 clinical hours of hands-on experience to support it. In each episode, we will address real clinical challenges with proven, accessible solutions any practitioner can benefit from. This, in turn, will position you to develop that natural health business you've always dreamed of. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of Practice Blueprint. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for our monthly protocol Q&A. It is hard to believe it is already March. We have the March protocol Q&A. Um, one of our favorite times of the month to review your questions on products, protocols, um, and you always have the option to submit challenging cases. So if you would like to submit, um, you know, maybe a client case that you're working on, you would like some additional input, please feel free to do that for our next one, um, which we will have in April. All right, Dan, let's dive in. We have several fun topics to cover. Uh, the first one, and I know you have a few stories that probably are going to align with this very first one. And that is uh, what, uh, actually, before I get started, let me give a quick disclaimer, right? When we do these protocol uh, Q&As, I always like to, to remind everybody that anything can be anything. So obviously, you know, we are grateful that Dan is sharing from his, you know, 20 years clinical experience and everything that Country Doctor has brought to us. Uh, but that doesn't mean that this is that. Um, when we're giving an example, we're essentially sharing that, um, you know, it that it most likely could be this or that, and this is kind of how we handle it, but this is where evaluation becomes really important because anything can be anything. Doing a very thorough evaluation and determining what the underlying stressor is, is very, very important. But with that, we'll kind of talk about, you know, maybe what in general, you know, we typically see with each of these concerns. So the first one is reoccurring UTIs was one of the questions that came in. So from your experience, Dan, what, um, what are kind of some of your insights on clients that are dealing with reoccurring UTIs? You know, the, the worst case that I ever handled clinically, this was several years ago, but she had 17 documented UTIs in one year. 17 different trips to the uh, to the hospital following the pharmaceutical model the you know the antibiotics the intravenous all this stuff rehydrating and it was just brutal on her and what we found from the evaluation that we did again looking for the seven primary stressors which are foods immune system metals chemical scars allergies and, and electric stress when we took her through that evaluation process we found that she had not one but two different immune system weaknesses. And that one was lodged in the left kidney, which was a bacterial-based weakness, and the other was a fungal-based. So every time she went on antibiotics, 
some of her symptoms got better, but the second she went off, she got worse, right? Because it would flare up and create more weakness long-term with her immune system on the yeast side of things. So what we had to do was there was four things, four key things. One, we had to boost, we had to support the immune system natural response against the yeast and against the bacteria at the same time. We had to get her diet on point and we had to get her gut health rebalanced. You know, the good, the good uh, pre and probiotics that we use with Bioflora because, uh, you know, she'd spent 18 months roughly destroying that environment with all these over-the-counter prescription meds that she had been taken. And what happens, what can happen is they create an environment that won't even support good bacteria anymore. How many of us as practitioners at times have put people on probiotics and different things that should develop the cultures and they don't respond? Okay, and we wonder why. Are they even taking this stuff or are they flushing it down the toilet? And the reality of it is, is that you're introducing bacteria into a culture and environment that won't even support it healthily anymore. That's how disrupted it's been. So with this particular case, we did those four things. And part of that rebalancing of the immune system was her filtering tubules in the kidneys were so congested with metals and chemicals and toxins, right? Because of this vicious cycle. So she actually had to do some uh, HP, HV met for a while, along with immune boosting and, uh, and things of that nature. But she, it took several weeks for her to get cleared up and really get stable. Um, but uh, they never came back. They never came back after that. So again, the, the question on the UTIs is extremely important, dealing with the filtering system of the kidneys, positioning the immune system, her diet and lifestyle, and actually identifying and correcting why this is recurring uh, was from three different angles, bacterial, fungal, and toxic system. And those three things had to be addressed um, over the course of uh, three or four months uh, to really get her back stable again. So um, it's a great question. It's one of those that I just love uh, to talk about. Awesome, thank you for sharing that. I was gonna ask a follow-up question, but then you pretty much answered everything okay. in that explanation, so thank you. Um, so if, if a practitioner is dealing with a client that has reoccurring UTIs, the number one takeaway is figuring out the underlying stressor there because it could be numerous things. It, we yeah. can't really say that it's one thing or another thing. Yeah, we, we live unfortunately in a society that thinks the infection's the problem. They think that obesity is the problem. I got headaches, allergies, I can't sleep, high blood pressure. And what happens is all of these things, bar none, are symptoms of the problem. We have to help people get re-educated and put their feet on a firm foundation that, no, these are symptoms. Let's find out why. And in her case, she had, she had three, four primary key things that had to be handled. All right. Well, thank you for, um, for answering that. Yep. Uh, another one came in, which was dry, itchy skin. Yeah, this is one of the skin conditions. Um, my experience, they go on both ends of the spectrum. They're just so infuriating because it seems like it's, it, it can, it seemed like take a long time to get them corrected. Again, though, the skin is a symptom. And one of the things that I was taught from John Christopher by way of my father many, many years ago is that skin is a reflection of what's going on on the inside, primarily somewhere in the digestive system. 
There's 26 foot of piping there with a surface area the size of a tennis court. The surface area of a tennis court. There's a lot of surface area there. You can get lesions, you can get deficiencies, toxins, and it will reflect, can reflect through the skin. In Chinese medicine, the skin is the third kidney, okay? So we think kidneys, we think nutritional deficiencies and toxins, we think food sensitivity, especially in the little kids. We had one um, earlier this year, Craig dove in and helped me on. I gotta give kudos to Craig on this one. This child was loves broccoli. It was blowing her skin up, broccoli, okay? So, so what was happening was, is that mom and everyone around her was thinking she's eating healthy food, right? And she was almonds and broccoli were blowing this child's skin up. I mean, horrendous inflammation. And Craig was the one that actually discovered it. Uh, he took one look at her and said, well, are you eating broccoli? <laughs> and she says, yeah, I'm eating broccoli. This kid loves broccoli. No, not anymore. And we have to correct her digestion. She was a bit dehydrated and she had a lot of bowel toxicity. Her bowel movements weren't. Uh, what they should be. And this is something that as practitioners, we have to educate parents of young children. When they're little and we have to wipe them and take care of them, we pay very close attention to mm -hmm. the bowel habits. Mm -hmm. As soon as they learn how to do it on their own, we're out of the picture, right? We're yeah. done. We don't pay much attention at all, usually. And we lose track of what are the bowel habits of our children, especially as they get into school and spend 12 years in public school learning how to hold it. And so, so this little child, she had that going to toxicity and some food sensitivities. We had to rebalance some enzymes and um, she, but she was a mess. And that's usually the three or four things that we have to, uh, we have to focus on with that kind of case. How did he pinpoint broccoli? He saw the red coloration and the location on the arm and he said, well, I saw a kid, I had a kid like that down in Colorado a few years ago. And are you, is that kid eating broccoli? And she's going, yeah, she eats broccoli almost every day. I said, okay, well, that's the problem. Wow. You wouldn't think, that's you know? fascinating, yeah. Yeah. Bowel health and cleansing and nourishing. Yeah. Um, that was like going to be one of the top priorities. Yeah, digestive enzymes are going to come into play on something like that a lot. You know, mom getting more involved with her bathroom habits, two to three a day minimum bowel movements is healthy. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, uh, that is the norm, but it's not common. That's the problem. Is this is not a common um, amount of elimination that people are used to. So with the kiddos, we don't do a lot of bowel cleansing with the kids unless it's absolutely necessary, but it would be um, appropriate, um, or would it be appropriate, I'm asking you, to do like a castor oil pack on them? Oh, you know, I love the castor oil pack. I, I, I give that recipe out probably two or three times a week, mm -hmm. all, every week to, to new people for the ileocecal valve, for the pancreas, for over the liver gallbladder area in the lower area of the back where there's a little more meaty, right? Um, you know, anywhere that, that, you know, over the lungs if they need to, over the throat, the lymphatics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm using that more and more and more with people and they just love it, so. Okay, awesome. Um, okay, pain, next question involves pain from a previous injury. 
So injury happened a while ago, but still having kind of pain and, you know, maybe some stiffness there, um, maybe mm -hmm. didn't fully recover. I know I had some thoughts. I'd love to hear yours as well. Yeah. You know, when we have someone come in and we look at a pain case, the very first driving factor that we have to look at is foods and immune system and then the potential toxicity that's mm -hmm. been planted in there. Sometimes these trauma cases are uh, have surgery involved. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's uh, a sprained uh, shoulder or a sprained back or, you know, they, they twisted their ankles a lot, you know, and, and it's just a pattern that's locked into the synapses of the nervous system. Um, depending upon who you talk to, uh, the term muscle memory is apparently not appropriate to use because that's not true. It's a synapsis connection that's actually been established. And, uh, but I, I like the term muscle memory because I have to think long-term education for my clients and they can, that makes sense to them. So it doesn't matter if it's technically accurate, mm -hmm. they understand that if there's trauma to tissue if they've taken a hit or they've got an old surgery, that that tissue is traumatized and there's an old pattern that can be locked in there. Mm -hmm. So that's where the light devices come in. Big time light devices uh, through uh, new wave therapy has been really, really helpful. The topical HP Dermacom, HP Relieve internal has been very, very helpful in most of these cases. And then the percussor, the percussor adjuster, the, the soft tissue release work Mm -hmm. to help that traumatized tissue that's locked up to help it relax and let that, you know, oxygen deprivation produces a lot of pain. If they're getting lousy blood throw through this tissue or if there's scar tissue adhesions blocking that. So there's where wheat germ oil topically comes in. Um, so those are the top three or four things that I try to focus on. Stop eating foods that cause inflammation. Okay. Get away from the inflammatory foods, uh, the nightshades for sure. Um, and then rebalance the trauma, uh, look at some enzymes. There's, there's this three or four key things that we have to always check on that kind of thing. Would you look at BF and C as well? Yes. And thank you for bringing that up because I mentioned Relieve and Dermacom. Mm -hmm. Those are firemen. Mm -hmm. BF and C is a carpenter. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So bone, flesh, and cartilage is going to provide the raw materials necessary to restore, rebuild, repair. Mm -hmm. Dermacom relieve are going to take the body out of stress, right? And we can't do both at the same time. Um, so that would so, be later. Well, I would I would muscle test it because I've had people where we've tested them mm -hmm. and they test for Dermacom topically and BF and C internally. Okay. So they need a little bit of fireman and carpenter, right? Okay. Um, I'm never afraid to send a fireman or a carpenter into a building that needs stability. But if they're definitely just on fire, then send in the firemen. And if they need carpenters, then send in the carpenters. So, Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So next one, um, a child with ADD. These are my favorite cases because it positions me as a practitioner to really re-educate mom and dad mm -hmm. and put them on a firm foundation to stand on when it comes to how they help their child get better because usually these cases come to our office and the school nurse has maybe said something or the teacher and they're kind of leaning towards labeling this child as needing you know some kind of uh, medication some kind of psychotropic drug that we know is uh, uh, you know not going to be good and in favor of the child's long-term health so 
-hmm. First thing I look at is the foods. Next, parasites. We have kids with parasites. You'll see kids that do this all the time, rubbing their nose or itching their ears or scratching their keister, lousy dreams, okay, wild, vivid dreams. And the byproduct of that is they get labeled with this ADD, ADHD behavior when in fact they actually have an immune challenge that needs to be taken care of. Bedwetting at later ages, okay, three, four, five, maybe six, seven years old. I got a 12 year old that was brought here for that one reason. They were so frustrated. This child will not stop wetting the bed. It doesn't matter what we do. They won't let them have fluids after five, all these things. One evaluation, put them on the right proper cleanse and a couple of dietary adjustments and no longer wetting the bed. Mm -hmm. So it's understanding these patterns can be helpful for the ADD children. Um, and then getting on good oils, right? Omegas, good the EPA, DHEA, uh, two to one ratio kind of stuff. Um, you know, I know that uh, NutraWest produces a good product for the people that go through our program. They can get a NutraWest account, mm -hmm. um, things of that nature. So um, checking their oils, central fatty acids, immune challenges, foods again, right? And this is an the biggest opportunity. I think the biggest takeaway for me is mom and dad, let's have a very focused conversation on what habits are you bringing to the table for the child? Yeah. And let's work on that as well. So. Yeah. yeah, food is such a big one with this. I know we've talked about this before, but um, I had a situation where my, you know, when my kids were in daycare for a little bit and they would get, they get, were giving them cookies in the afternoon as a snack and my kids weren't consuming a ton of sugar. So they were like losing, they, they were behaving in a way that the other kids weren't, but they weren't used to getting that. So when they did get it, they would just get kind of crazy. And so then they were coming to me like, um, you know, we're having all these behavioral issues with your kids, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm so confused. Like when they're with me, they're fine, you know, because by the time I pick them up, they had calmed down. And yep. then it took literally a few weeks of me going back and forth with them before I finally figured out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're feeding them Chips Ahoy for their afternoon snack. So when we had them stop doing that, no more afternoon issues. Like literally the behavioral issues just totally went away. And I'm like, yep some like cookie just a few cookies just crazy yep. um okay uh next one would be someone that is having frequent nosebleeds you know the 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 nosebleed issue or the what i refer to as the symptom of weak capillaries okay now we live in a area of the country that's very very dry so we tend to kind of put off on, you know, initially with people that come to us with nosebleeds, that's a rare, you know, it's a very common occurrence because we have very dry environment. Okay. So they blow the nose and up, oh, they get some blood because they, you know, things are, things are dry. So we take that into consideration, but the frequent nosebleed client, I've always looked at a little higher level of what's the cause. Mm -hmm. And when you have weak capillaries, that is almost always an indication of an underlying immune challenge for weakness for viral activity. Almost always, 90% of the cases that I've had, it's almost always a weakness for viral activity. Here's another way you can tell. When they brush their teeth and they spit the toothpaste out, if it's pink at all, on a fairly regular basis, but yet their mouth doesn't hurt, they don't have any infection, it's not due to a, 
recent cleaning or um, that they have, you know, sensitive gums or they already know they have an infection, something like that. But it's just a common thing and they don't think about it. They just think, well, for them, that's normal. Okay. So when I always ask people about their teeth or their teeth, even if I check them with muscle testing, I still ask them, is there anywhere specifically in your mouth that bothers you when you spit the toothpaste out? Is it pink at all? I mean, I'm always fishing to get as far up that causal chain as possible. I love kinesiology. I teach it. I, I love it. We got a great, I got a 90 slide video thing on how we do it. It's amazing. Okay, I love it. But I always want to ask input from the client. What are you experiencing? Because I have a list of how to help them interpret what is the body telling you? So the nose bleeds, the weakness in the gums where they bleed a lot, but no real sign of evidence of, uh, of infection. And uh, what is their circulation like? What is their circulation? So we look immune system first, circulatory second. These can be also an example, a symptom of some pretty deep and serious cardiovascular stress that could be taking place as well. So we ask them their history. We ask them about, you know, we use an HRV in the clinic and we'll see what does that rhythm look like? How stable and strong is that heart? Um, cold hands and feet, muscle cramps. Um, you know, we'll look for things like superfood. Superfood is one of the best. If you, you know, you got to get used to the taste. I get it. I've been slurping that stuff for 20 years. I know <laughs> it takes a while. It takes two or three weeks to get used to the taste, but it is packed with cruciferous vegetables. Mm -hmm. land and sea sources you and we live inland right but we don't have east or west coast influence on our diet so we don't get the iodines we don't get the dulse and the kelp and the seaweeds and all those amazing trace minerals that promote the strength in the capillaries especially in the note when people are having the bloody nose and support a protection against viral activity mm. but it'll also reset people who might have afib or tachycardias, things of that nature. So we have to look at the cardiovascular relationship too. So those are really the three things like the immune system, making sure they're getting really good, dense, cruciferous vegetables, uh, either in a protein shake form or that's part of their diet. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I always kind of try to get people to tip the diet change first mm -hmm. and supplement second, right? Because yeah. people complain about taking too many supplements. I get it. So change your habits. Stop doing the thing that's making you sick. And then, oh, by the way, we might have to do a little supplementation to go along with it. Yeah. And uh, so those are the those are the primary things. But bloody noses, initially weakness of capillaries, viral, um, some toxicity. But then look at the heart. Make sure we're not dealing with an underlying uh, cardiovascular uh, episode that could be developing. OK, good to know. Thank you. Um, okay, the last question that came in um, was in regards to, we have two different enzymes, the enzymes and super enzymes. I get this question a lot. Um, you know, what is the difference between them? Uh, I know you have a fun joke that you like to um, play with clients. I'll, I'll feel free to share that if you like, but if you can kind of give us an overview of the enzymes and what the difference between them is. I appreciate you giving me permission to tell one of my favorite jokes. And this is a client education piece. So it's, it's valid. And it really, I talked with it more about the, with the men than the women. Um, when you pass gas, if there's no smell, that's S signs. 
If you pass gas and you can clear a room, that's super enzymes. So it's kind of like a dog that barks but doesn't bite or the dog that barks and bites. And that's what I tell people. <laughs> that's just funny to me. I grew up on a farm. I just think that's funny. We grew up around animals. Um, Enzymes is great for people with or uh, with food or away from food, primarily. With food for sugar and carbohydrate metabolism, away from food helps with the pain case. We talked about, you know, the person that's got a previous area of trauma or injury. Um, they might have some inflammation surrounding that tissue. That enzymes two or three at night, away from food for four to six weeks can be a huge benefit in getting rid of systemic uh, inflammation because it's a protolytic in nature type enzyme, meaning it'll go systemic in the body and will be, it'll go where it's needed and it will break down things that don't belong. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, with food, it's going to digest and break down the food. Super enzymes has more of your betaine, ox bile, people who have lost their gallbladder, people who are overeating meat, people who have gout, uh, been told they're not clearing the uric acid well through their kidneys. And it's not because the kidneys aren't filtering is because their dietary habits are overwhelming the, uh, the uric acid levels, uh, the byproduct uh, of, the, of the meat consumption. So uh, that's, when you, that's when we think super enzymes and that's kind of the basic, the basic rule of thumb difference uh, in our practice that we educate people on. And sometimes clients need both too. That can happen as well. So not yep. to be concerned, um, especially if there's yep. a lot of digestive stress there, they may need yep. to take super enzymes and enzymes, um, yep. you know, That's true. had a lot of really, you know, great success with the, um, inflammatory cases as well, as far as taking it away from food and, you know, so thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much. That wraps up our questions for this month. And we look forward to doing this again next month. I look forward to it as well. It's always a pleasure to share whatever, whatever experience we can share uh, with other practitioners. It's part of my joy, I'll tell you. Me as well. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Practice Blueprint, the podcast. In order to get connected with us by way of Facebook or online or with our LinkedIn accounts, check us out at our website, countrydoctorwholesale.com. It's countrydoctorwholesale.com. There you can get plugged into a number of resources, give us feedback, ask questions, find out about future practitioner events, and be plugged into the Practice Blueprint Manual, which does provide over 20 hours of continuing education credits for practitioners that need it. It is a accredited nationally program with the ANMCB and the AANWP. So again, thank you for tuning in and we look forward to catching you next time on Practice Blueprint, the podcast.